Before we start today's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Zencaster, which is a podcaster's best friend. Trust me when I tell you this, Zencaster is like the Shopify for podcasters. It's all you need to get up and running as a podcaster. And the best thing about Zencaster is that you get so much stuff for free. If you are planning to check out the platform, then please show your support for the Founder Thesis podcast by using this link, zen.ai slash founder thesis. That's zen.ai slash founder thesis. Hey everyone, this is Sri. I'm uh, one of the founders and CEO of Rocket Lane. Ek minute, ruk jo, ready hona do. Chalo, ye kar lete hain. This could be a great intro. Sri Krishnan Ganeshan has had one of the most impressive journeys you would ever find in a founder. He is an engineer who did his MBA from IIM Bangalore. After working in product management roles at Verizon and Rediff, he started his first entrepreneurial venture that got acquired by the Nasdaq-listed Freshworks. At Freshworks, he learned about building SaaS products for scale, and that learning culminated in the launch of his second startup, Rocket Lane. Rocket Lane has raised 21 million dollars till date from top-tier VCs, and it operates in the fast-growing vertical SaaS space. This episode is a masterclass in building and scaling up a SaaS business, and here's Sri Krishnan telling Akshay about how it all started. I had a professor who was a product manager at Adobe, like a visiting prof. So those influences definitely led me to think this is what I want to do, which is pretty cutting edge for its time. Like for yes, uh, them to actually have Google and Adobe product managers take uh, lectures. Definitely, I think uh, there were hardly any PM jobs on offer on campus, to be honest. So it was like it, it showed me what it could be, but then there weren't necessarily those roles available on campus. So there were probably two companies who came. I didn't get into those companies, and I was I started looking outside for like. how can i get myself into this domain because i didn't have prior work ex it was slightly harder as well yeah 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 so where did you land then like so i went to verizon so a friend of mine was working on the engineering side at verizon this friend now happens to be my co-founder and he had mentioned once that hey there is this guy from iim cal who does product management over here mm. so i yeah. like, hey, in india only like in india yeah he was the only pm in india with verizon so I was like, okay, then why can't you help me get that role? And he was like, don't know. I asked around. I don't see an option. But I bugged him enough that he got me a conversation with his director in IT. And I spoke to him, and he said, hey, I can't give you a PM role, but maybe I'll offer you a business analyst role where you interface with PMs. And if there is an opportunity, I'll be okay with you moving to that function. And the good thing was, in three months, the opportunity came where, like. This person I was working with from the product manager side basically said, "Hey, do you have any other friends like you who can join our team?" I said, "Let's not worry about other friends. I'm the person." <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, and what did you learn in that stint as a product manager at Verizon? So this was uh, for uh, set-top box software. So very different from what we're used to today, but there there were a lot of things I learned about right from making a business case for like a new product development initiative. We used the StageGate model for like getting approvals on initiatives that all of us had. How to champion like a new idea and take it through different stages. What is uh, the StageGate model? It's a proper. It's a pretty popular new product development methodology of sorts inside large companies where anyone can come up with a new idea, and then how do you sort of filter through those ideas and take them from 
idea uh, to next validation of some thoughts to a prototype to so on, right? And it can get discarded at any stage. It's going to go all the way to legal and all of that and then get to a launch. So the, that was something that it's, it's a pretty formal methodology for like new product uh, development and was exposed to that. I was definitely exposed to a lot of dimensions to product management itself. Like how do you really win the confidence of the team that you're working with? How do you get like the engineers and designers to sort of respect what vision you bring to the table and how do you sort of work well with them? How do you attract ideas from everyone on the team? Because I'm the first one to believe that I'm not the most creative person, but I like to harness creativity from others around. So that was like an interesting like dynamic that I sort of um, got better at at Verizon. And then I think there's also elements of like uh, what kind of consistency you need to have when you're thinking about design, thinking about like naming things in a UI. So my I had two, like one immediate manager who's a director of product management and a VP. So the VP is is the person who was giving me a lot more business perspective where, you know, the making the case for something and all of that came into the picture. And this director was the one who was giving me much more like very granular input on how to prioritize things, how to like really ensure consistency in the product, how to give feedback to like designers the right way and how to work well with cross-functional team and all of that. So about like, I guess, two, three years after your Verizon stint, you became a founder. So tell me about that journey from being a PM at Verizon to becoming a founder. Yeah. So I went from like a very large company, Verizon. Next, I went to Rediff, right? I spent a, a year, close to a year at Rediff, which is a 300 member team. But I still felt the larger company, Verizon, had a more, I would say, a culture that was more excited about the products that they were building, right? So the whole team was more excited about and believed in what they were doing. And from Rediff, I went to a very small startup called Jixi. Rediff had that issue which Yahoo also had, no? Like they were not sure if they're a media company or a tech company. That's true. That's true. And I, I think very often they were trying to catch the next wave and that focus kept shifting a fair bit. So that was like the hard part over there. And, and frankly, it, it was uh, not the kind of art where I could see myself stick on more because... Because people around me weren't believing in what they did. And I was used to a certain kind of thing. So I thought maybe a startup is what I should go to next. And went to this startup called Jixi. I was heading product for them. Pretty what much. Were they doing? So think of this as like YouTube for the masses. Where back then feature phones were popular. So like you have these Nokia and uh, Samsung and Sony Ericsson Java phones. And YouTube doesn't run on those devices, right? So our Java app would allow people to stream long-form video, like movies, on 2G networks. That was the play. And it was fairly successful as a product. Had like 6 million downloads in the first six months. I was super excited to make all that happen over there because I pretty much like built the team. It, it was, I felt like I was pretty much running the, the team over there, right? Like I had that strong sense of ownership and it was my identity for those two and a half years I was there. And in a way, <clears throat> I think that's the stint that also gave me this confidence that, hey, I can go out and do something on my own. You need to be like slightly irrational and overestimate, overconfidence is needed to go and start something. Right? So, And that happened from the Jixi stint for me. Jixi workout, like both for you and as a business. Well, we weren't making much money as a company because 
we would say our users who are like local next next street watchman would be watching long form video on this but he's not going to be able to pay for it he's already paying like 5 rupees a day for his internet or whatever and that's how much he's going to offer we did turn it into a b2b business with folks like uh, disney reliance and sony as customers but i think we weren't charging them enough they were actually making more money than us offered in whatever way but and the company got acquired by viewclip in 2012 end so and viewclip eventually made that business successful and large more so i would say in southeast asia they like took it more global as well but i didn't stick around right so i sort of said hey i i'm sort of i have this confidence that i can do something on my own and i have an idea and two friends willing to work with me on that idea so let me go back to chennai and start that right away so irrespective of how jixi was doing i think i would have done this anyway because that bug sort of bit me by then and and i thought it was easy right <laughs> what was the idea that inspired you to quit a job and become a founder yeah so the original idea we started working on was the voice messaging app so think of whatsapp back in 2012 they didn't have any voice messaging feature and we were like hey whatsapp is sort of lame it's like very plain we're going to make like a much more fun version for today and it's going to have voice and that's really taken off in like korea and china and japan are all about voice messaging and maybe india will be too so that was the idea and there were a lot of these chat startups hike was also i think coming yes. up around yes. that time and zine was advertising on tv i i remember seeing their ads on tv and which was fairly surprising correct so you had the uh, pagniti chopra for wechat katrina kaif for line and uh, we figured that it's going to be hard to compete with all of we started immediately we had hike launch a couple of one month later you had uh, wechat the next month line and the month after that whatsapp launched voice messaging and that was like when we said okay wait let's reassess what we're doing but we had a beautiful pivot at that point where we said hey messaging is what we really believe in we have built like beautiful messaging for like people to chat with each other but what if we can make this happen between a person and a business so we changed it into an sdk that went into other people's apps so we have used the chat and zomato and swiggy and big basket bank bazaar all of that was powered by us yeah okay 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 got it got it so like a early version of chatbots or what today say yellow ai is offering correct exactly so it wasn't chatbots back then it was all human powered but messaging as a medium we were like really championing that to bring it to like every app out there so like was it making money like were like say in jixi you felt that uh, you were not charging customers enough did you like fix that problem here like uh, how did it go yeah we we did we we had a fair number of customers who weren't paying us yet but we also had a fair number of customers who were paying us decent money and we also had a couple of like larger customers one of them was in the us uh like we we actually paid tax as a startup in our uh, second uh, you know third year of operation so we shouldn't have given that we weren't like compensating ourselves enough etc but that that's what ended up happening right so we we uh, we were making money not a uh, loads of money but there was potential you were um, cash flow positive basically yeah we were cash flow positive and this was bootstrap you didn't raise any external funds yeah we we didn't win like some prize money from axel and qualcom that was a convertible note through a contest but we didn't turn it into equity and you know other than that for the most part we were bootstrapped 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so then what happened? Like, like, why didn't you just continue building that only? Like, yeah. So we actually had put together like an angel round to sort of take things forward more, you know, with, with more firepower. And at that time, there was inbound interest from another company to acquire us. One thing led to the other. We first sort of dismissed it because even before that, most companies that we engaged with used to say, hey, can we acquire your product and company? Because we were a small team. We were just three of us for like the first two and a half years. And people loved the idea. So every customer was like potentially talking to us about, hey, can we acquire we this? Yeah. yeah. And we want to make this code to our business and all of that, right? Engagement is important. And we said no, because most of them we knew would, would like throw very small acquihire offers at us. So here as well, we said no. But then the, you know, founder and the investors at their end said no, it was in a different company. And they were pretty, they said they're very serious about it. And that we should at least listen to what the offer is. And we actually found it to be an interesting enough offer for us, right? Because we had we were bootstrapped, we hadn't taken any external money that we needed to return. It was an interesting proposition. And then Freshworks also came into the picture and, and then it became a no-brainer for us. Like, okay, if, if Freshworks is going to max that offer and we've heard so many great things about how fast Freshworks is growing. So it's like real money. It's not like paper money. So let's go okay. and do this. Right. Okay, 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 okay. They, they were offering a cash buyout, like? No, but we knew that, I mean, there was cash involved, but... Okay, uh, but the equity was worth more. Uh. We knew Freshworks equity is at least what it was then. We didn't expect it to grow as much as it did now, but we we thought, we believed it was real. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Did you hold on to it till IPO? Yeah, yeah, you still have it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 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 So, so then what, like you joined uh, Freshworks and like, what's the journey after that? Like, yes. So we sort of uh, joined Freshworks early enough in, in the Freshworks journey, 2015 and and team basically gave us like the, the freedom to build, continue building that business. Right. And they, there was another team doing similar things in Freshworks. So they sort of, joined we put the two teams together and really went after this mobile messaging in a big way but i would say it was still chunky growth it was still not like the kind of momentum that rest of freshworks had which was an eye-opener to us when we saw how things work inside we were like oh wow and obviously we wanted that too we were like one of the hardest working teams inside the company but we didn't have the same results to show as the others and one thing that happened was at an event, like me and Girish were at this event where Shekhar Kirani, you know, investor at Axel, he was actually talking at this event about how a rising tide lifts all boats. And at that moment, we sort of looked at each other at a break in that session and said, hey, are we in a rising tide or not? And like we knew the answer, we were not because... The, there weren't other players who were growing fast in that market. Whereas in web chat, which like has existed forever, there was a new company in the com that had grown from 1 million to 50 million in three years. So you were like, okay, maybe we just need to make some adjustment here and say, okay, let's go after web as well, not just mobile messaging. That one change we made, like we decided in late 2016, 2017, we relaunched as fresh chat with web and mobile became the fastest product in Freshworks to reach various revenue milestones. So it 
really, really changed the trajectory. It became like an awesome growth story for us. It was very rewarding to see what it did for everyone on our team as well, right? So everyone naturally was pushed to grow and level up in different ways because the business was growing. Mm-hmm. So th- this was like the the chat pop up which comes when you visit a website where they like say you go to a an ad tech website and there'll be a chat pop up like can I help you understand which course you're looking for and then you start chatting and there could be a human or it could be a bot so so you probably built the human version of that like that's correct I mean we we did when we launched we launched Freshworks it did add some bot elements because Freshworks had also acquired a bot company at that time. So we integrated that as well into the system, but yeah, it it that's what it was. Mm, got it. And obviously, it made sense for Freshworks because their customers are coming to them for customer engagement solutions, and this is an important piece of the bouquet that they would be able to offer. Absolutely, it definitely. You know, it was already important, but it also started delivering on that promise in 2017, and since then, it's become like one of their most important products that they're investing in deploying. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. So you were leading Freshchat till I think close to end of 2019, right? So so then like what, what uh, happened then? Yeah, I spent four and a half years at Freshworks. December 31st, 2019 was actually our last day over there. But we had sort of planned to move out from like mid-2019 itself. We, we had made that decision and we worked with Girish and like the senior leadership there to do like a smooth transition over a period of time because we knew we had one more startup in us and after having seen what growth does for you and the team we really wanted to try it on our own right so we'd we'd seen that journey inside Freshworks now we experienced what momentum can mean for everyone and we wanted to like make that happen okay did you have like a clear uh, idea in mind that what is it you want to build or you thought you'll figure it out after quitting we had a few ideas we hadn't like necessarily validated them but we knew hey these are very clear pain points then we started once we got out we started like talking a lot more about which one we want to like go after which one's gonna have like the right momentum behind it and started validating talking to people from different companies who were in those roles and fairly quickly settled on the current idea, which is really about a purpose-built software for customer onboarding and implementation teams, right? Because we'd, we'd faced it firsthand at uh, Freshworks as well, the problems around customer onboarding and implementation. Help me understand what, what, what was the problem you saw that convinced you that this is what you should go after? Right. So whenever we were selling to like mid-market or enterprise customers, right? You'll finish the sale, but to go live with the customer was like a real headache and so much chaos, right? So they were always like, there's some sort of finger pointing back and forth, delays, and it it was never like a happy journey, though this was probably the most crucial part of making the customer successful with your product, right? This was the most crucial part where you either build or destroy trust with the customer. And we could see what happens if you... Like I was personally involved in some of these uh, onboarding, some of our like largest early customers for uh, Fresh Chat. And when I was super proactive about it and involved myself and ensured things happened perfectly, 
the trust and how things went forward with that customer was very different from if I dropped the ball somewhere, I like let others handle it. And if the playbook wasn't followed to a T, something went wrong, then it was escalations forever, right? So like, so I've never used Fresh Chat myself. I'm just imagining software, which I've used like say, Canva. I have, uh, so I, I don't understand what is that onboarding problem that you're talking about. Like, sure, let me explain. Give me an example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so you, when you talk about Fresh Chat, for SM, they take one line of JS, add it to their website, they're live. But for a typical mid-market or enterprise customer, your software needs to solve specific problems for them and it needs to work well with their rest of their ecosystem, right? So, uh, essentially, that means you first need to get on a kickoff call with the customer saying, hey, this is what we understand are your goals. Is our understanding right? And this is how over the next four weeks, they're going to make you successful with our product. And then there is a phase of their developers sort of integrating your product into their website, into their app in, in larger customers that will involve like authentication. Because you know what, when, when someone is using the product, you don't want to ask them who you are. The product should know. You want to set so up the right it, box. It should talk to, talk to their database uh, to Correct. identify customers. Correct. It should identify the customer. It should like full data from their system so that a rep can answer questions without having to dig into other systems. They have all the data they need right there. So it involves building some custom apps, usually uh, building out their, the right bot flows for them. And uh, then training their team because some of them had like 300 users, 1,000 users. Like, how do we ensure that they all get comfortable and use the product the right way? So there is that whole journey to set them up with the right integrations, migrate some data needed, push data into other systems that they have, uh, train the team, ensure adoption is happening, help them figure out how to monitor how their teams are doing. So that whole journey, right? So you used to happen over like spreadsheets and emails and Slack conversations and so on, which meant siloed information in different places, which meant people dropping the ball on both sides, which meant escalations. So, and that's the problem we looked at and said, okay, we need a purpose-built software which is going to combine elements of project management, conversations, document collaboration into one experience. So that we're done with the silos. Everyone has the same view of what's happening. If I, as like a business leader, needs to know, I need to know like what's going right and which projects are not going well, I need a way to quickly see that without asking people. And even when I ask people, usually I get their perspective. But I want to know how is the customer sentiment around this onboarding as well, right? So some onboarding can take three months. And if I know at the end of one month, the customer is not feeling comfortable or confident about how things are going, I can figure out how to jump in or put someone else on the on the job to fix their perception, right? So it, it's uh, a lot about visibility on both sides. It's a lot about like unifying all the information in one place. And it's also about helping you surface patterns from how you're doing things, right? If you know that a kickoff is where my customers are rating me poorly, right? They're not doing a good job there. Maybe I need to train the team better on how to do the best kickoff meetings. If my training is not well received, maybe I need to change up something over there. So you also have this element of feedback from the customer 
coming in through the how big how big is this like like the total addressable market for something like this because more and more companies would try and build products which are idiot proof plug and play where you don't necessarily need a complex onboarding like like they would want to aspire to build their products like that like each new startup who would like so say salesforce is what freshworks in a way disrupted now salesforce is notoriously complex to adopt and freshworks disrupted it by making it easier to adopt right. maybe tomorrow someone else will disrupt freshworks and build something which is even easier to adopt so like help me understand why you thought that this is a big enough market where you will see a uh, massive growth sure so there are two parts to the answer first is saas in itself is growing so much and yes there is this plg sort of motion that gaining popularity which means you don't need as many sales people and complex onboarding well, and well, so what is plg just for the it's, audience it's product led growth right so when you look at a product like freshworks or slack or jira etc your expectation is that people will set it up on their own right they don't need help like like if you build a good enough product then you don't need to market it like you don't need to sell it rather correct you don't need to sell it you also the expectation is people will become successful with the product on their own but the truth is even if you, when you look at slack which is like the biggest example of plg probably when slack sells to a company the size of freshworks Three three thousand employees, right? Uh, now much more, but even at three thousand, they needed a playbook to make Slack successful inside Freshworks. Because if you just opened it up with like whoever do whatever, there's no sense of how to organize things as channels. What should be allowed? What should be not allowed? Which apps can be installed? Which apps should not be installed? Should this connect with the SSO or not? So there is like a lot of decisions that IT needs to make. There's a lot of decisions that the company needs to make about how they're going to organize for better communication within functions, across functions, you know, across geographies, etc. And Slack probably has seen what works and what doesn't, right? For other customers, so they need to bring their playbook. understand the context of this company and truly do a proper onboarding so in that way i think when you sell to mid market or enterprise you cannot escape onboarding however simple your product is this that's one part of the story but the real story to us is what we built though today we are like focusing on onboarding as like what our our website talks about and what we are championing there is a much wider bigger market that we are going after which is customer facing projects of all kinds when you have a vendor and a customer collaborating so there are like service companies who are like yes doing custom built products so you, not, not just products it could be a marketing agency it could be a consulting company it could be a, as you said it services company whoever it is if you're working with clients and you want to have like a repeatable motion which you take every client through to deliver your offering then rocket lane automatically becomes 10x better than your asana or jira or whatever else okay so like the traditional way in which uh, service agencies onboard a new client like it would be they would have some sort of a playbook but it would not be a very formal playbook like it will start with a call and it will depend a lot on the person who's leading the call like if he's aware right. of the playbook or not and that person would have to drive that whole process ke, like okay now we've understood this and 
let's send them this proposal and then now let's get the sign off from them and now let's send them a like a wireframe of what we want to do or whatever it is so would it would be very human dependent so you would be able to help a company put it into more like hard coded so that no matter who's the person who's doing the onboarding they they are following that playbook correct the idea is to move from hero driven to system driven right so like you usually depend on one hero sort of ensuring the client is happy and things are happening the right way over here like the system make sure everyone can deliver the same way and it's not only onboarding in these cases right when the service companies it's actually the delivery of their service itself yeah which we are yeah. looking at happening through rocket net in a way an onboarding team inside a saas company is like a services company inside a services team inside a product company and we are saying hey this is going to work for all services company mm-hmm. so essentially this is a post sales software like a post sales saas product correct right which is a fairly like open space there's no i think major com- like most companies are looking at pre sales like how to manage leads and convert leads correct uh, so there are support systems and there are customer success tools which do certain jobs well but no one manages these initiatives and programs between the two companies in a good way right so no no one was built for that and that's that's what we are changing right got it got it okay okay so i'm assuming then this is something which is for the employees to use it's not a like the end client of that company is not really going to use this as an interface but it's essentially for the in-house employees to use like say the way you know, my team would use salesforce which is they're using salesforce the uh, end client doesn't really know that there is salesforce being used at the back end is this what this is no this is a collaborative space between the two parties and that's what really differentiates what we do versus like you you can create a project on asana and ensure people do all the steps right but rocket mail is built for client collaboration so you invite a client into your project they get full visibility they don't need to sign up or sign in because we use like we send them a magic link they click on the link they come to let's say onboard.freshworks.com right it's branded by our customer so it's their portal and the cust- the uh, our customers customer can actually see where they are in the journey what tasks are on their plate uh, what documents they're working on together what are the minutes of the last meet what conversations are happening what is the pending work like 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 at times customers have stuff pending on their end because of which delays are happening so so that would get flagged to them like say some s- signature is pending on a document or stuff like that even inputs right like they need to give like the report format that they need configured so you know provide the input it's due since last tuesday and it's visible to the leader on the customer side as well for them to like so you able to hold each other accountable at the journey right so that's an important thing the second is your internal and external collaboration happen in the same place now so you're not trying to find a different place everywhere in rocket lane you can say hey this particular task it's not for the customer to see it's for my internal team so i can mark some tasks as private some tasks as shared some documents as private some documents as shared and when i complete certain important milestone in the project the customers can rate the experience they had with me right through this portal so it's like brings that element of feedback as well into the system itself so uh, 
is this a workflow focused tool like or is it uh, a project management tool like asana and uh, i want to uh, like understand the product better and uh, i mean because this is an audio medium so we can't like show a demo of the product but so so you know like like talk to me about the, w- what is it like like it like do you yeah. create a workflow that this is st- stage 1 of onboarding stage 2 of onboarding stage 3 of onboarding and then the customer is going through that journey and for each stage you have sub tasks as as you check them off it automatically moves to the next stage the way it would happen like say in a, a crm for sales where, where you have like say prospecting and negotiation and deal signing and is it like that or like correct so think of it as bringing together a few elements one is there is a strong project management aspect so the way i like to call, you know describe it is it's like asana plus slack plus google docs or notion but built for customer facing projects and what differentiates it is there is a strong templating experience as part of it where you can say as you rightly said this is stage 1 this is stage 2 here are the tasks here are the sub tasks so you're going to create that flow you're going to create a template for the project right or multiple templates for different kinds of projects and then you're going to invite the customer into each of those projects you get a portfolio view of what's happening across the projects including the customer sentiment including like is it delayed or not and all of how do you get to know customer sentiment through that feedback right so when you deliver on a milestone the customer rates the delivery and you know gives you that input so and so as a leader you get like the full picture of what's happening across projects as an individual project owner what stuck who's it stuck on what needs to happen next it gives you tools to publish status updates meeting notes and all that with, with like gratis and the customer can also access it without signing up for any tool to see where they are in the journey they're going to get automatic automatic like notifications and reminders for tasks that are on their plate to so the follow ups that you need to do are reduced so it really tries to streamline that whole journey and put everything including your kickoff deck and documents you're working on together all in one experience okay so uh, let, let's talk more on product only and i'll like dig deeper but one quick question first a lot of uh, it service companies use basecamp for a similar objective right like as a post sales tool to manage the manage the project collaboratively with the client and i've never used basecamp myself but for people who have used it like how would this be different from basecamp i would say the the most this is like a much more robust version of basecamp in a lot of ways hmm. so what is basecamp it's like a asana which uh, on which you can get your customer uh, on it also or what is like basecamp is like a very bare bones task management document management sort of experience where you can create different projects you can invite customers to work with you on those projects and you do have the notion of internal and external over there which is a good thing right but it's two bare bones to run serious projects so if it's just a few tasks that you're tracking you can do that on basecamp if you need to have like real like a, a, a large project that you're working on if you need to embed like uh, serious documents in it if you want to templateize those documents if you want to get visibility into what's happening across projects have some reporting have a portfolio view dashboards all of that is not possible in basecamp right basecamp is typically i think if you're a, a small shop which is working with let's say two or three clients basecamp is going to work beautifully for you 
the minute it gets serious and you have like a larger team, you want to measure how the team is doing and you want like to track the progress across projects. A leader wants the right visibility, then, you know, it breaks down. If you like to hear stories of founders, then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion-dollar businesses. Just search for the Founder Thesis Podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify, Ghana, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to the show. Okay, got it. So, uh, uh, talk to me about the uh, journey for your uh, direct customer. I mean, what is your direct customer? And then second is the customer's customer. So first, let's talk about the journey for the direct customer. What, like say the, a company signs up for it, what next then? Do they have to create the templates uh, and the workflow steps and the stages? They, they have to define all of that? Like how, how does their onboarding happen? Yeah, we and you also have a plan for their onboarding, of course. So we, we figured that this is an area where people don't necessarily have like the maturity in, in a lot of companies to do this well on their own. So they do it in some way today. They have a checklist or they have a spreadsheet with some items that they're tracking. So we inspire them to build a beautiful template in Rocket Lane out of those spreadsheets that they carry. So we give them like a sample uh, template, which they can modify and make their own. But we also give our inputs on it. And we also have a community. We have a 1,200 member community called Preflight, a global community where people actually can share and ask questions and like learn from each other as well. But we typically end up taking the customer's like checklist, turning it into a beautiful template for them. And we do that in a day just so that like they're having a better experience. They're not stuck in that step. And Typically, this is like one more thing that the customer is doing other than fighting customer buyers at their end. So we don't want them to get delayed with this step. So we say, you just give us your spreadsheet. We will do version one of your template. You take it from there and iterate on it. So we then give them the template. We also give them a playbook of how to evaluate Rocket Lane. Because it's not necessary that all of them already know what to expect from the product. It's new. It's a new kind of product. So we tell them, hey, there are things you want to get familiar with and we give them a plan to go through that. So in a week, typically, some cases, even in three days, they come back and say, okay, I'm happy with what I see. I want to buy. And once they buy, then we start the proper onboarding where we do things like integrations with their CRM, integration with their help desk, if they need any other sort of things set up like custom fields in the project, custom fields on the tasks migrating some of their existing projects into Rocket Lane. So we help them with all those activities. If it's a larger team, then we do training for them, which includes like, they're going to do a quiz for them. They're going to do a reverse demo for us. So we have a beautiful playbook, which we take them through. And the aim is they need to learn something on how to onboard customers from our experience onboarding them. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Right. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, so your own onboarding serves as a benchmark for them that uh, this is how you can use the tool. Right. Okay. Interesting. And so when you say that, like most companies have something on a spreadsheet as their onboarding checklist and you help them to make it more beautiful, what does that beautiful look like? Is it like a Kanban board or what, what, what does it look like? Like, yeah, it is going to be a board, but it's also going to be like we're going to help them give some 
themes and names to the different faces. They're going to help them explain their onboarding better to their customers, saying, hey, week one, we're going to focus on configuration. Week two is going to be integrations with other systems. Week three is training and feedback. Week four is this. Right? So we sort of going to help them craft it the right way. They're going to give them ideas on, hey, you know what? Looks like this is your usual problem. Migration is a big problem for you. So we suggest that in week one itself, you create this template for, for input for the migration. Right. So, so, so like you could make like a Google form kind of a, like you can embed forms within this uh, for, yes. for capturing information you need so that instead of sending an email with bullet points that please share this stuff, you can just select it. So the idea is to really help them with like streamlining their onboarding and, and help them look more professional in front of their customers and de-risk their process, right? By doing this the right way. Mm. Mm. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, interesting. Okay. And what is the client experience now? Like the customer's client, like he'll get a magic link once he's, like say someone sends an inquiry to a company that, okay, I'm interested in getting this app built. Uh, let's say I, I want a food delivery app built and it, it's a software services company. Right. So right. like what would be that client's experience uh, in, in such a scenario? So the client's first brush with Rocket Lane typically would be on a call where they're asking about, hey, what happens after we buy or like if we decide to engage, then what does the process look like? And then that time, the the our customer is going to use Rocket Lane to interactively walk them through the next few weeks or the next few months, right? So they're going to showcase the journey. And if this happens at a kickoff or if this is, or let's say this didn't happen before sale, but at kickoff, you're saying, okay, let me show you what the journey is going to be. Then that is where they also invite the customer and say, hey, by the way, what you saw is like our onboarding portal or our like delivery portal. And we're going to invite you to work with us on this portal so that like we can hold each other accountable and we can have better visibility to how things are progressing and we can collaborate right here. So please see if you have this link from us where you're able to access this portal. And on that call, they access the portal. They have like a beautiful view of like a dashboard of like what's pending and what's happening right now. What does the whole project look like? What are the documents that have been shared with them, including the kickoff deck and like requirements document and so on. So then that becomes like a, a place where they will automatically come to to engage, ask a question, mark a task as getting done. And they're also going to get emails. And these emails have actionable buttons in them, which help the customer, customer's customer, just click from the email to say, I'm done with this and I'm blocked on this task and so on. Okay. 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 Amazing. So uh, how does the customer see the the journey, the roadmap? Like, like, is it like steps and showing that you are here or like, what does that landing page for the client, uh, for the customer's client look like? Yeah, so it, it's going to look like it's a board view. It's like a Kanban, but each you have different faces as vertical columns. And things are either done in a face or still happening in a face. So you can see which got done, what not yet done. But to present it to the customer, there is a presentation mode that we've built. Because we built this for like client-facing projects. We said, hey, you want to present it? We will animate this journey for you. Right? Oh, it's going wow. to come like face by face. You sort of walk them through what is their responsibility, what is your responsibility, what are the timelines. All of that shows up in a beautiful way. Amazing. Okay. 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 And 
what what is the pricing like for this like how 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 do you price it we charge only for our customers users for their clients and customers it's free so if if they have like 10 people on the team there is going to be 10 into 49 dollars per month into 12 months so like 5880 is is what they will pay per year and, and like what is the minimum team size that you work with if someone was to buy just a single seat we we kept our minimum as 5 because it's a collaborative product we believe that even if you have three people in onboarding you should give one more license to a product manager or some other team within the company you should give one more license to probably the one of the founders who's involved in the customer side of things or maybe a sales head wants to see how what's happening with the accounts that they brought in so we we kept the minimum as five mm, okay okay got it so like tell me from a timeline perspective that uh, when did you launch the product and how did you get like the, the first 10 customers on it like t- tell me about that journey like from that zero to one journey sure so the first thing i would say is we didn't launch one part of this we launched the full product on day one so it was not the typical mvp approach we said this product and and we've seen this happen at freshworks as well for certain categories it makes more sense to build out the full thing and then launch it rather than like try to start somewhere and then build up and especially because you you're not doing it for smes you're doing it for enterprises so you you have only one chance to knock the door so to say and and if they don't like it then you can't knock that door again so actually a lot sense. of our customers are small companies their customers are enterprises and mid market companies so we even catch a lot of companies early and that's part of our plan because then some of them grow really big with you right and that that's a good thing to happen now the way we got started we did have like this community already and we had some friends of rocket lane of sorts who were looking forward to the launch but somehow and tell me about the community how, how, like you built that first and uh, while you were building the product or like how did the yeah. community come about we launched the community 9 months before we launched the product it was essentially it started off with like i was talking to this founder a rock a nimesh from rockmetric in bombay and he was telling me about how implementations used to be for him and how over the last 4 or 5 years he's evolved it quite a bit it's much tighter now and what all the tactics they're using for that and then hey i think more people will be willing to listen to this can you share this with story of yours with more people and he said yes sure happy to do it posted about this in like a saas boomi enterprise group and people said yes we want to listen to the story they all came together on a zoom session lot of questions lot of activity at the end of the session i said hey i'm going to start this black group and i'll send you guys invites if you're interested join and then i made this a pattern every month two sessions and everyone who attends the session is added to the slack group and that's how the community started mm-hmm. and, and and these are your target uh, audience whom you want to eventually sell it to these would be like yes. pms or correct these are delivery people these are like onboarding specialists and so on we then also started to like reach out to people globally about it saying hey we have these kind of companies already in the community you should also join and people did join and then it became like there's a snowballing effect and we had some events that Uh, we, like every month we do two events so some events like really have a lot of attention and we got featured on some blogs as top five customer success communities to join and whatnot so all of that's given us like fair amount of traction even today our sales team when we get on a call with the prospect one of the first things they will talk about is to tell the company that hey whether or not you buy rocket lane 
you should join our community because it's going to be like super valuable for you. And it's, it also adds credibility to what we're doing. Okay. So did this community also help you build or you already had a fairly clear idea of what you want to build because of the fresh work experience? I mean, there are some conversations which gave us ideas and there are some people in the community, but we were already connected to them who we sort of pinged often with like, hey, this is the direction we're taking. This is the idea. Give us feedback. Here's like a click through uh, prototype. What do you think? And so we, we did use some connections from the community as part of like validation, but I wouldn't say it was a huge part of it, but we learned quite a lot about the space, about what's top of mind for people. So other than one-on-one, it was definitely like a place from which we kept learning on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So there was like a learning through osmosis happening by Correct. interacting with these people because these are the people whose uh, problems you're trying to solve. So Correct. And for us to write the right kind of content and like it's also created so much content for us as a company. I actually write a series of tips on customer onboarding. I've done it like every Sunday for the last 15 Sundays. And I can keep going because there's like infinite resources coming my way from the community. Yeah, every workshop or meetup, there would be questions people would be asking and those questions then become a content for you. Like answering those questions right. becomes a source right. of content for you. Got it. Amazing. And which also would mean that your customer acquisition doesn't need to be through performance marketing or ads on Google, Facebook, but you already have this community for whom you're building and they would become the early adopters. Yes. I mean, we we don't, we kept it as a no-sell zone for now. So we don't approach people over there and say, hey, do you want to try Rocket Lane? But I think people notice, right? So they know that, oh, Rocket Lane is a company that's running this. What is Rocket Lane? So... And it's a long game. It's not about like getting our leads from day one from the community. But we believe when people are in the market for something, they will think of us. Mm, right, right. Okay. So so when did you launch uh, the product? Like June 23rd, 2021 was our launch. We did a product hunt launch plus our uh, PR of our seed round on the same day. Sort of played into each other as well in a way. And we were number one on product hunt that day. So it turned out to be a very strong launch for us. Mm-hmm. And how much did you raise in the seed round? Three million. Okay. Like what kind of investors? Nexus and uh, Matrix partners were our early backers. But there was a group of other engines as well that we got. So this is by virtue of the network you would have built during the Freshworks uh, days? Like I, I think not, not missing network bit at that time. But I think Girish has talked about the fresh chat story in different places. And in general, people knew us as a team because we had one exit before and we had like a successful stint in tech fresh works. So people knew us. Of course, Matrix, the, the partner also happens to be a batchmate from IM Bangalore who, who was like, hey, we should have invested in you last time. We missed out. This time we do want to definitely partner with you. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. Okay, got it. Okay, okay. So tell me about the, the the numbers. Like, like so June 21, the product got launched. And how many customers did you onboard? Or how many seats did you have? Like month on month, how did that number grow? What is it today? Like, Yeah, we, we haven't necessarily shared these numbers outside. But I can give you like a, a flavor of this, right? Like, I, I think it, it's been pretty amazing traction for the first like even our first two months we made, we, we got so many customers that you know, first two months we got 30 paying customers. And that's not 
an easy thing to do how many seats like these 30 like like each one would be what 5 7 seats or like average yeah i would say average would have been like probably close to 10 seats but we did have like a couple of cuz one had 300 one had 150 one had 70 etc as well in those first two months itself right so there there's a few large ones in there who came in at the same time the funniest thing is one of them when they signed up it was a, with a gmail id right and usually when when we see leads with gmail ids our sales people are like no no we should only collect business ids why are we collecting gmail ids we want to get right when i say our sales people I, i don't mean my sales team now but from what i've seen at freshworks as well that turned out to be like one of our biggest deals it's actually probably our biggest one right now so <laughs> and these are like uh, saas companies right now like you you've not yet started uh, doing that service company layer we do have like the one off like management consulting company and uh, marketing agency and so on but i would say probably 96 97% is going to be okay okay and like any numbers you can share what you'll close this year at like how many seats would you have or what's your target for next year like how many licenses not yet sharing but but we have like i think we're very ambitious on that front and it's we have very strong momentum already right so it's uh, what what's your month on month growth like the last couple of months last three months i think we averaged upwards of 30% growth month on month and it's on a significant base already so it's it's been growing and what's your target like like how many seats you want like say end of this financial year or end of next financial year or any anything that you have in mind as a milestone you want to hit i i think the like a good significant milestone to hit maybe to get to like i would say if the averaging let's say 10 then maybe like 5000 uh like 500 customers will be like the next my i i don't know about the when it could happen within the year it could happen later but that that will be like a 5000 seats of people using us will be a significant milestone for us okay so uh, what's your thought in terms of like which is going to be a bigger market for you in the long run like the the saas companies who are onboarding or the service companies who are using it for project management if you ask me today it has to be the service companies but then saas is growing in such a way that we can't tell maybe maybe to be a substantial part as well and because our messaging is optimized for that today we may continue to have like a bigger pie in that but if you just purely ask purely market size services is bigger mm-hmm. because uh, you're right that to really tap that uh, it's a much bigger market and to really tap it uh, you may need to i don't know have have an alternate brand name or something to get them in and have a different strategy for that segment because they may not uh, i mean they may not feel that this is the product for me by looking at uh, a product which is talking to saas companies and maybe you you need like a completely different type of communication for them maybe okay. even your onboarding would need to be less manual like right now your onboarding has a it's, it's a high touch onboarding right like right. like that right. also maybe you would need to like, like is that something on your roadmap to do that or like? yes yes so we we do have plans of how to like redo our website and messaging so that people know that hey, there is rocket lane for onboarding for saas 
there is rocket lane for marketing agencies there is rocket lane for consulting companies like the solution based approach to our marketing so that's something that we will do and also as you said we actually opened up the product for people to sign up and start using it on their own in like a couple of weeks ago right so we when we did our most recent funding announcement we, we I, i don't know if you saw the rap video that we put out as well with it has over uh, 120,000 views now and it's growing but we, we sort of did this fun thing to grab attention of people but it came in, came on tv in the us and so on so it's been exciting for us but it's it's about when we did this also we also made sure that people can sign up and start using the product on their own and we then identify which ones need help and we sort of like do a more high touch onboarding for certain customers but not all of them need that sort of high touch from us So uh, when you say you open it up for self service like you saying you you give them like a 15 day trial or or what's right. that okay yes mm-hmm. okay okay got it okay no. did you rap in this rap video or like like what was this rap video about i, I did not but the, we have a content marketer who sort of told the story of rocket lane so far okay okay amazing okay yeah i, I guess your approach is like a content first approach to get customers like content and community rather than the traditional approach of performance marketing do you spend anything on performance marketing we do we have started some experiments because i think from a predictability angle it's a good thing to have that working it's also a drug so we don't want to rely on it but at the same time i think yeah we are definitely very content oriented as a team brand and content i would say and we want to be seen as the thought leader in this space because we have the opportunity to be a true global leader which is like it, it's not easy to have that happen for you and we actually i, I don't know how long it usually takes people but for us we became a leader in g2 in the category of client onboarding within our first six months of launch and i think that's like a significant sort of milestone at the saas company are there competitors like like someone who's doing what you're doing like yeah there are a few people who are also doing similar but you know as you would expect in any new category it's not apples to apples right so there's similarities but there's also differences in approach i would say our biggest usp is how holistic this it, it puts everything together in one experience it's a very unified experience driven approach and it's probably the most robust solution out there given the breadth and depth that we've gotten to in a quick time mm-hmm. yeah uh, do you have any big competitors or are they all like no. early stage all are early stage okay 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 got it okay and so i want to understand how saas companies figure out pricing like you have a pricing of 49 dollars how, how did you figure out that okay let's let's price it at this yeah i, I think one is you've seen what people are comfortable paying for like software like this from the freshworks journey we are not necessarily pegging it to roi in like a way in which we want to extract the most out of a customer today more taken an approach of it needs to be a easy decision for someone to buy we've also looked at what others are doing in this space in adjacent space like if you look at asana how is asana charging and we are better than asana for this use case so we can charge a little more right remote purpose built so that's one more thing we looked at and i know we're probably leaving some value on the table today but that's okay we're optimizing for momentum right now rather than like specific dollar numbers and maximizing what we get from customers okay okay but asana is like maybe one third or one fourth of what you are 
charging, right? Like not really. I mean, for each of the tiers, it would be for one tier, it may be half, but the other one, it may be we're charging twenty dollars more, etc. Right? So it's sort of in the ballpark. And yeah, I think, uh, but we can show a ten x better experience than an Asana for their customers. So that's like an important thing for us to say. Okay, we are better. Let's charge more. Right, right. And do how do you treat a discounting? Like, do you? And again, I'm talking as advice for a SaaS founder on how to look at discounting. Should one give discounts for volume deals, or should it be just a flat, transparent pricing? And this is it. Take it or leave it. Okay. I think I'm gonna share some secrets from our side for this question. Respect discounting. I think early stay, early days. It's okay to discount definitely. I would also say depending on the market. So we are a pretty popular team in India. A lot of people know us because like, I've been a volunteer on this whole SaaS boogie thing and so on. So people know us and check us out. And we know that India pricing may need discounts from time to time. So, and very early stage companies, if you're bootstrapped and so on, we will offer discounts over there as well. Right. So we made it like, do you qualify for a discount or not? Has some conditions. Like Facebook has a startup plan where they offer discounts to startups. Correct. I mean, they, they, they give like free credits. We don't do that. But we make it a no-brainer for a early stage startup to say, okay, I want to buy Rocket Lane for a year. It should be like an easy decision for them. That we do. And for those who are funded and so on, if they're buying a huge number of licenses, we do give them, you know, benefits of that volume. And we want to make them also feel like they're like, especially as early customers, that they're benefiting from they're taking a bet on us and we're giving them something back in return. But the one condition I usually have, and this is what I was talking about as a secret, is like, if you're giving a discount, you need to take something back from the customer. It could be that they're giving you like a longer term, like if, if they're looking for a discount, it needs to be necessarily at least annual. But guess what? If, if you can lock them in for two years, even better. If uh, you're giving a discount, I need a video testimonial from them. Yeah. Giving a discount, like they need to support you with like doing ref checks with other customers. So you like the product, you're buying it. Now we are helping you to make it fit your budget. You need to help us in return with some other things. If you like the Founder Thesis podcast, then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books, and drama. Visit the podium.in, that is T H E P O D. I-U-N dot I-N for a complete list of all our shows. Before we end the episode, I want to share a bit about my journey as a podcaster. I started podcasting in 2020 and in the last two years, I've had the opportunity to interview more than 250 founders who are shaping India's future across sectors. If you also want to speak to the best minds in your field and build an enviable network, then you must consider becoming a podcaster. And the first step to becoming a podcaster starts with Zencaster, which takes care of all the nuts and bolts of podcasting, from remote recording to editing to distribution and finally monetization. If you are planning to check out the platform, then please show your support for the Founder Thesis podcast by using this link, zen.ai slash founder thesis. That's zen.ai slash founder thesis.